Just stop it. The run of the mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women who go through hell to achieve their goals. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. Sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. This is Disruption Interruption. All right, disruptors, our guest today is a financially thought-provoking public speaker. He's a podcast host of the podcast Dynamic Mapping. He is giving you the keys to the financial freedom kingdom. He is president of Real Intelligence LLC, Jeff Mount. Hello, Jeff. Kingdom, I like that. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> You're good. You are giving like the keys to the financial freedom kingdom. I hope people feel that way. Yes. Well, you know, as you continue to disrupt, they will. Yes, of course. So, so let's talk about this disruption that you have been a part of, been a catalyst of like the very first question, yes. right? Is where did you say that's like, that's fucking it. I'm done with this status quo. <laughs> I love it. It was an evolution. So um, most people don't know that in the financial services business, there's a wholesale layer of distribution. And now, when you say most people don't know. No, they don't. Um, I, I got a good friend of mine who was a partner at Deloitte and he had no idea it even existed. Okay. Because, you know, which, our listeners are you know, some heavy hitters. So when you say most people don't know. Yeah, no, he's a heavy hitter and he didn't know that it existed. And of course, what ends up happening is that wholesale distribution does add some additional cost. And uh, our job was to go meet with financial advisors, some are in banks, some are in major wirehouses, some are independent, whatever the case may be. And to convince them that whatever company I'm working for with my products, they're going to sell my stuff over everybody else's stuff. And there's all kinds of ways you can do that. Some's education, some's entertainment, some's just relationship building. But I did, I, I noticed that as, as I spent time with these guys. And when you say these guys, who are these guys? Uh, advisors. Generally okay. speaking, they weren't one-offs. I shouldn't say that. At the end of my career, there were a lot of uh, independent guys, one-man shops. Okay. Uh, but for the most part, I spent most of my career in groups, like major wirehouses and banks, where there were lots of advisors. Got it. And I would occasionally be invited into client meetings. And I'd sit there and look at this and go, what? They, they really are saying these things to these investors? Uh, I'd hear branch managers make just outrageous claims and te literally tell their advisors to do the opposite of what is right in order to cover their butts. Uh, cover their butts as far as quotas. Uh, I'll give you an example. <laughs> okay. So there was a, a major wirehouse on Long Island, New York, and this is going way back, back to the dot-com collapse, which was okay. of course the early 2000s. Okay. And I did my presentation. The branch manager really took a liking to me and said, hey, do you want to stay for our sales meeting? I really value your opinions. Okay, sure. <laughs> so I sat in the back of the room and it was a really bad quarter. I mean, it, the, the markets were really melting down badly. So 2002 was the worst of those three years. And it was quarter end. And he gets up there in front of the advisors and says, 
All right, it's quarter end. Everyone's gonna get their statements. They're gonna see huge negatives uh, across the board. We can't fix that. However, what we can do is make sure that they don't see the big losses on an individual position by position basis. So we, we, I'm telling you right now to sell all of the worst stocks and double up on the ones that are not down as far. Now, think about it. You, Wait, you can't make this shit up. Isn't that a, the exact opposite? opposite of what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to buy low and sell high, right? He was telling them to sell the stuff that was the low and buy at the high. And he was, this is not just one off. This was the entire branch and all the people they served. And, and I'm watching this going, wow. Uh, and there's just so many stories like this that, that I dealt with. Um, you know, I, I wrote an article last year about one of the worst experiences I've ever had with an advisor and their clients. And this guy, this guy was up in uh, Rhode Island. Again, major wirehouse guy, but it was just a one-off. We're having dinner. So I'm, he's asking me to come at six o'clock and meet with him and his clients. And it was a million dollar opportunity. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I'm there at six, he shows up at 601 and says, I just need you to know I'm drunk. <laughs> Can't see the meeting. And again, it was early 2000s. So uh, he, he says, you know, it's an older couple. They don't have cell phone. Oh no. Um, okay, here's what we'll do. I'll talk to them. You don't say a word, just sit there and be quiet. And then we'll get through this as best we can. That didn't happen. No, the couple <laughs> shows up, he sits down with us and raises his arms as high as he possibly says. And before we begin, I think it's important to announce that I'm drunk. No. Yes. No. And I'm looking at the couple thinking, no, there's, there's, a, there's a hidden camera. There's no way this is happening to me. And they look at me and I, I, I try to move on. The waitress shows up and says, can I get anyone a drink? And I look at her and I go, no. <laughs> he says, we'd like two bottles of red and two bottles of white. I said, absolutely no alcohol. No. And he's upset. So we go on to start talking a business, just the three of us. And we're leaving him out. What's the and, elder, what's the elderly couple doing? Uh, they're, they're just shaking their head. Like they can't believe what they're seeing. I'm telling you. I'm surprised they didn't walk. The, the advisor reaches across the table, grabs the woman's arm, holds it down, says, you're not leaving here tonight until you agree to do this. Well, no, no, no. I grab his hand off, pull it up. Can't believe it. I just want to get out of here. I really want to get out of here. The waitress comes back. He grabs her ass. No. <laughs> it, it, it never ends, right? So we get halfway through dinner. I'm looking at the couple. I'm rolling my eyes. And the, you're thinking, the, the, the see old, this guy. Let's sober him up. Let's him, like, get him a little is, humble. Right. The old man is smiling and he's just, he's like, this is just absurd. This is entertaining for them at this point, right? So I'm about to wrap everything up and he throws his arms up again. I'm like, oh no. He goes, did I ever tell you guys about my secret passion of becoming a farmer? He's just gone. He has no idea where he is. And at this point I said, guys, it's been great. Have a nice safe ride home. Good luck to you. And he and reaches across the no, he reaches across the table and grabs the woman's arm again and says, now, as I told you, you're not leaving here. And I grabbed his arm, pulled it up and looked at them. I said, run. And they did. They got up and they ran. And he looks at me and he says, I think that went well. Um, okay. So, uh, so who paid for dinner? That's what uh, I want to know. Uh, I did. And, and <laughs> you're such I, a sucker. I, I did. I know. Uh, I, I, 
anyway, this this is what unfortunately goes on in a lot of the major wirehouses and a lot of the banks. Uh, and I'm not saying all advisors are like this, but I don't believe the current service model that is out there is really good for folks who are in accumulation phase, trying to grow their assets. Um, quite frankly, I think I can give them enough strategic tips. They can do it on their own. It is a zero commission world now. Now I'm not saying there isn't a user for advice. Please don't misunderstand me. In distribution, the strategy changes dramatically and it does make sense to have an advisor help you. Yeah. Um, when you hit a certain level of wealth and you say, okay, I just wanna make sure I don't get clobbered and lose this. I, I need to grow it slowly and carefully and yeah. manage risk. That makes sense. I but wanna... 85% of the population do not have, or the investing population, I should say, that audience, yeah. Yeah. they don't have an advisor. So, so that number came from Fidelity Institutional, who, who of course works both sides, right? They serve advisors and they serve the general public directly. So I believe that number to be true. I would imagine if anyone has that data correct, it's them. And you've pretty much, like when you say you believe it to be true, do you see that empirically? Yes, absolutely. So, so tell me about this disruption that you have catalyzed, right? So you had this yeah. uh, like, no way in hell, I'm not doing this anymore. This is wrong, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And we have 85% of the investors that don't have an advisor, yes. right? Yes. There is a disruption of the status quo that not only needs to happen, but you're catalyzing it. So what is it? So two years ago, uh, I left the wholesaling world. I was just burned out. 25 years of traveling all over God's green earth to, to meet these people who are embarrassing me at dinner tables. <laughs> I, I just couldn't do it anymore. So uh, I partnered with an old client of mine who has this very innovative method of financial planning. And it's not a financial plan. I'll come back to that in a second. And I started thinking about some of the training that I've delivered to my elite advisors to step up their game and deliver a service model that is what we call an essential family office. So for people who don't know what a family office is, it's typically a service model reserved for the really ultra high net worth. So people with $50 million or more. And what it is, is you get the investment advisor, the accountants, the attorneys, the property and casualty risk managers, real estate property managers, concierge travel services, all these people, M&A, all of it together, all of them talking to each other on a daily basis and all for your benefit. So what we've done is we've scaled this down to what we call the middle-class millionaire level, 750,000 investable assets or more and control over your budget. If you can qualify with those two things, we can take an advisor and train them how to deliver this. And I have done that. Um, and I was going to travel around the country. This was my idea. I was going to travel around the country and train these elite advisors how to bring this service model to these middle-class millionaires, which of course are exactly who they want as clients. Middle-class millionaires, how big is that market? It's enormous. It is yeah, absolutely see, that's enormous. really very interesting. Middle-class yeah, millionaires. So many people who fit this description. And in America. Uh, in America, and they do not get this kind of service. And they're gonna have to, because as I mentioned, we're in a zero commission world, the public is demanding more. Well. It, the, the business didn't work too well because this thing called COVID happened and prevented <laughs> me from traveling really anywhere. Oh, shit. And I'm like, no. oh, 
we created this beautiful app that was a great tool to help advisors get through the financial planning conversation, which can be very laborious and, and quite frankly, very boring to a lot of people. Because and they it's often to... what I understand based on industry standards that really has nothing to do with helping individual investors, but is all about helping large institutions. Is that right? It's I'm so dumbing this down. So yeah, it's an institutional me. process that is used to create something that's supposed to be for families. Right. And it misses by a mile. Uh, it misses for a number of reasons. Number one, it's not dynamic. Our lives are dynamic. People get sick, hurt, laid off and divorced all the time. Yeah, well, COVID happens. Never do, right? Was that in the institutional investing standard? Yeah, right, (laughs) The benchmark, oh, if if, if a pandemic happens, this is what happens. I mean, I could go as far as to say, let's look at these flawed risk profile questionnaires that are just so vague about uh, how people feel about the markets. And let's be honest, we feel how we felt five minutes ago and that's it, you know? So if the market's doing well, hey, I could tolerate risk. Asked that same person this a year ago, the world's coming to an end. They shut down. There's no right. economy. When's it going to start again? I'm I don't know. Scared, right? So the, the truth is the risk profile questionnaire, although it's a required document by the SEC and you have to do it, I don't think you use this thing in a literal sense to create an allocation for somebody. And then, and then there's this thing called systematic rebalancing where every year you go back to that same allocation no matter what. Well, there's a whole bunch of no matter what's that make no sense. So it's not um, dynamic. It's very static. It's very static. Yeah, so, so that's number one. I interrupted you though, but you were telling me COVID interrupted. Yes. And then what? Yes. We had to pivot. Uh, in order to survive, we had to pivot. So, Painfully, I assume. Oh boy. I mean, we spent so much money building that app the first time. We had to do it again. And we did it again because the first one was just not intuitive enough for the average person to pick up and play with and understand. Uh, the new one is out. It's been out for almost three weeks. Uh, it's available in the App Store, uh, Apple App Store and Google Play. It's meant for your phone or your tablets. It's free. So it is giving you all the math that you would normally get from these financial plans that cost anywhere from $2,500 to $5,000. It's giving it to you quickly in 10 minutes or less. It is comprehensive and it's not one of those boring spreadsheets. It's actually a metaphor of sailing through life. And we create that from the math, which is really interesting. So when you think about uh, most graphs, it's just kind of above the line. Mm -hmm. We actually are very unique because we help to identify what your unique liabilities are for retirement, for college tuition, planning, saving for your kids' weddings, your mortgage can go in there. And what we do is we create those liabilities based on how much you need, when you need it, and how is the income going to be distributed when you actually do use it. And it's um, dynamic in the sense that you can go change it based on certain things that happen. You get laid yeah. off, you get fired, a pandemic happens. Sure. So we call those tailwinds and boulders in the okay. new app. So the liabilities create the hull of your boat. The assets create the sales of your boat. Mm. Obviously, if you have slack sales, you got some, some work to do. You need to make some strategic changes. We will help you with that. If you have the big billowing sales, great. Maybe you qualify for that essential family office service model we talked about. But as you just mentioned, it needs to be dynamic. And we need to give you all the things you need to 
build this wealth, this accumulation, if you will, of wealth for all these family purposes. So we have included in the premium subscription, which you heard me talk about how much financial plans cost. Yeah. We're only charging $19.99 one time. And you not got, even a month. Not even a month, just one time. And it's it's literally 30 strategic tip videos inside of there that will help you identify if you're a growth investor, if you're a value investor, how do you pick an income fund? Uh, how, when should you look at insurance? Maybe you should use a, a kind of a hybrid. All these things are available to help you through that accumulation phase. So is this for millionaire, uh, middle-class millionaires, or is it for those that are also not middle-class millionaires? It is for anyone. I will tell you that the, the boat metaphor is so simple that some people look at it and go, uh, I don't believe it. I don't believe the math behind this is accurate. Well, Truth is, I've had. Well, that's some a very... humanoid response. We love things complex. Yeah, like kind simplicity of. Simplicity you know? is actually the most powerful. But Absolutely. so, who are the early adopters of this? So I will tell you, uh, it's been it's been an interesting mix. I, I get bartenders and and uh, people who are kind of leading a, a, a running a fast lifestyle, whatever it may be. Maybe they're up late, like a bartender. But we get anybody who's in a rush doesn't want to go through the, I like to clown around with financial plans, take weeks to build and months to comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something you will see really fast and you can get into strategic thinking, which is the part that everyone actually gets excited about. Cause they're like, okay, it, well, let's do some what if scenarios on my app. You can do hundreds of thousands of these and you will see different outcomes. By the way, this is important at the top of the you page. You can do what if scenarios on your app. Wow. Totally. Totally. So we have a if disruptive I have, cat in this podcast, by the way, so, uh, <laughs> if you hear him, <laughs> I don't. So above the graph, which makes your boat, you will see the actual end of the journey. And the journey might be you got to port and there's fireworks and there's people waiting for you. That's what we call a fantastic journey. And it's all depending upon your Does map. anybody ever sink? Yes. I'm coming to that. <laughs> <laughs> hit a boulder. So the, no, the hit, well- a, hit a ice. Uh, what do you call it? You know what I'm talking about. Iceberg, yeah, yes, yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> the, the well done outcome shows you reaching port, the sales are down, there's nobody waiting for it, which means you did successfully finance your family objectives, but there's no money left over for anybody else, no legacy, sorry. Still a good outcome. The third one shows slack sales and a really wavy ocean, which means this is going to be a tough ride. There's a lot of risk, but you do have an opportunity here if you just make some strategic changes. Maybe allocate these assets in different places. Maybe pay off your mortgage sooner, whatever it may be. And then, of course, the last one is you have very slack sales. There's thunder and lightning. Your your ship is stuck between two boulders and the waves are coming across the bow. (laughs) Uh, So, yes, that's the worst outcome overall. Okay. Uh, all, and it really could be used by anybody of, of any size assets. Uh, down, my, my kids are now playing with it, saying, okay, well, and which is great because, you know what, I had this uh, podcast yesterday with uh, a, a professional, ex-professional wrestler who's partnering with, uh, with us. And we were talking about his experience in, in investing. And he says, listen, I've been a good investor all my life, even though I'm viewed as one of these big, dumb wrestlers, and he's not dumb at all. And... Uh, he said, yeah, I got to start because at the age of eight, my family gave me a hundred bucks and they let me start investing. 
And I, I had some wins, I had some losses, but in each case I learned and it wasn't real money, you know, a hundred bucks is not that much money. And uh, now that I have real money, I can start doing this in a much, much more intelligent way. It's really, really important that we focus on financial wellness and financial literacy with this project because the earlier we get them, the smarter it'll be long-term. Think about the, the, the societal benefits. If we could cure the, the financial illiteracy that unfortunately plagues America right now, you mentioned 85% don't have an advisor. Well, that means that 85% are probably not getting much of an education. You know, they're not getting it in schools. Uh, they're not having some, some yeah. outside professional tell them what to do. They don't know. There's just no education out there. We're trying to fill that void between the podcast, the app, the articles that are available on the website. We want to make sure that as many people as possible get the chance to turn this around. What is so, you know, this is so simple yet it's so dynamic. What is so disruptive about it? Who, what's, what's the value network that you're cutting out? Who are you pissing off? Oh, I'm pissing off a lot of people. Um, <laughs> and you love it. Look at you. I do. The concept of the liabilities is very, very unique and innovative. And the funny thing is the um, thought process behind that, that Mike, my, my business partner brought into this really came from his days in the old school pensions. So think back, you know, not the 401k, before 401k, you had defined benefit pension plans. And that's where the employer was responsible for paying income to the retirees, maybe the retiree spouses. Uh, those don't, almost don't exist anymore. You have police pensions, you have right. teachers pensions, and that's about it. There's right. almost nobody else has that's these right. things. In, in every case, they, the employer had to hire an actuary to run the numbers and identify what the liability is for all those income streams. I mean, it's a lot of work. A lot, um, of, a lot of people. A lot of people, a lot of math, a lot of future value calculations and what's the present value lump sum of all of that. Right. Well, that's what we're doing with the hull of the boat. We are calculating all of that. So the math is really, really and this has never been done before in a, in a simple Not way. like this, not wow. a simple way. I mean, there is this thing called liability-driven investing that I know some advisors, very few people actually know what that is. Those that do calculate on maybe on a spreadsheet, these numbers I'm talking about, we're doing it in the graph. Got and it. The graph just naturally created that sailboat, which Got is where it. we went for, with the metaphor. Yeah, that's number one. Number two, I mentioned systematic rebalancing earlier from these flawed risk profile questionnaires. Right. That is accepted industry-wide as being the best way to manage risk. I honestly, it's intellectually lazy. I think there are a lot of regulators out there who are saying, well, you got to have that CYA document, uh, which is the risk profile questionnaire. And as long as you have that, then if they start screaming that you're in the wrong allocation, you just point to that and say, well, hey, it's not my fault. You answered the, the questions wrong. Right. The, come on. We want it's people like to succeed. like the irreducible minimum ad absurdium, right? We want people to succeed. So what we're trying to do is age the portfolios, which means creating purpose-based portfolios, each one with its unique distribution date. So retirement, of course, would be a big one. And you know you're going to retire. I'm making this up. Age 65. You know that in advance. If I have 10 or 15 or 20 years to get to that number, can I take risk? Yes. We have plenty of data to support the fact that your variance of average from the averages over that long a period of time is not very big. It's predictable. 
but obviously in a one or two or three year period of time, it's not predictable. Right. Things happen and it can the, the variance is huge. So what we do with the aging of portfolios is every year we take a little bit of risk off and we move it more towards income generating asset classes and eventually into highly liquid, quite frankly, not generating much income at all these days, highly liquid asset classes like short-term US treasuries or even cash. So who are you pissing off? The financial planning community who does not want to change from the status quo hates this. They're does doing not want to change they, from the status quo what? They're, they're, they do not want to, they hate this. They don't like they the idea. Oh, you said they hate this. They and do. They, they hate this. They don't want to go back and really think through, all right, so no more... Uh, creating these 60-40 allocations of stocks to bonds and just rebalancing every six or 12 months? No, we do not believe in that. Is it because they're lazy? You know, I was just on a podcast with another guest and, you know, he thought his adoption was going to be so easy, right? He's making his target audience like 30% more money instantly, more profit, right? But it it took him, he's now five years into it, right? And they're Mm -hmm. just now getting a big foothold but because his audience was lazy, yes. they didn't want to do the work, right? Yes. They were okay getting $26 per claim instead of a lot more money, right? Mm-hmm. So are you finding that it's similar here? Like what is their human emotion and reaction to it that causes them not to want to adopt it? Because it seems to me like it would be better for them. They no. would have more clients. They would have- Mind you, mind you yeah. I made that pivot, right? Yeah. So as I'm talking to the general public about this, I get no pushback at all. When I talk to investors about the idea of aging of portfolios and calculating your unique liabilities on a purpose basis with different distribution dates, as opposed to how you feel about things, which we all know are going to be wishy-washy, they don't fight this at all. When I talk to uh, uh, a lot of broker dealers or registered investment advisors, the actual advisors will agree with me. Oh, you're right. The compliance officers immediately go like this. The lawyers go like this and say, we are not going to stray from the status quo. Um, That's the challenge. Now, the good news is I'm not necessarily putting all my distribution efforts into that channel anymore. A lot of it's direct to the consumer. That was your pivot. That was your biggest pivot, right? Well, That was, I'll tell you even bigger than that. And I think this is where the best opportunity is. How many companies in America have been talking about financial wellness for the last 30 years and providing zero tools to help you with this? Well, I think it just becomes a PR mantra, which I, which I hate to say, mm-hmm. you know, your, your CSR program, you know, we're going to do something about this and there's no tangible product from it. Right. Yeah. So as I, I, and I listened to, again, the lawyers, the lawyers are saying, you cannot give your employees investment advice. I get that. There's all kinds of fiduciary liabilities that come up and they get scared. So the app, the new one with the 30 strategic tip videos, we could bring as a solution, not as an advice, because we won't know who's using the app, right? Have your disclaimer Uh, for our highly Absolutely. (laughs) Well, here's what we can do is we can tie in real-time 401k values, monthly contributions and company matches, and then identify what your path towards success or perhaps falling short of success might actually look like. So you're not surprised when you get to retirement, you'll know you are comfortable. We could do the same thing with uh, 529 plans on a state-by-state basis and and do that for the college tuition planning. Uh, Brokerages, so 
the broker dealers and RIAs, I think are going to take quite a while to come around to this and warm up to yeah. this. I think corporate America is going to jump on it fast. You do. I do. I well, do. you're already starting to get. We are uh, starting to get a lot of indication lot of, of interest in, on indica- this. Yeah. Even globally, and, from what I understand, right? Yeah, we actually have. Wild. I know. That happened really quickly and really early on in the development of the new app. We, we had a number of people from places like Poland, from Scotland. <laughs> uh, so obviously, UK is no big deal because they speak English. Yeah. We have to take the piece that references Social Security and change it to whatever it is they have over there in, th- in their country. Yeah, they're equivalent. But the math is the same. I mean, it doesn't ever change. So we it's have like to change. Universal. It's like, it's like you've really t- like gotten like the universal truths, the natural laws right. based on finance into this particular app. I was going to ask you something, but then I forgot. Words. That's okay. Let me, let me finish my statement. So okay. we are willing to white label to, co- to companies outside the United States where they could then take it and distribute it the same way we're doing here in the United States. We are very comfortable with that. And I do have a, a translation service who will help with that. So no big deal That's at all. kick ass. So why do you think corporate America is really going to get on the bandwagon for this? I know you've had incipient interest, but why? Yeah. What is that going to look like in the next five years? What was the headline I saw this morning on LinkedIn? Um, biggest number of job openings ever. I think it was. I think that was exactly what it was. So attracting talent is incredibly important and benefits is growing in terms of importance. It used to be just salary and commission or bonus, but how valuable those benefits actually are and providing financial literacy to every one of your employees. Wow. I mean, it's not just a buzzword anymore, financial wellness. Here's the opportunity to really do it. And when you combine the depth of information you get from the podcast that we do, where we're interviewing managers who do global macro and even you know everyone's always cringing at the uh, uh cryptocurrencies yeah uh but we do even education uh, you know i don't feel positive or negative on cryptocurrencies i know that the, the the pitfalls as well as the opportunity but to at least hear from the experts as to why they think what they think and what the risks actually are can give us any investor, a certain degree of confidence. Okay. I'm willing to risk maybe 5% of my portfolio in those things. And if I lose, it's not that bad. So you'll have that type of education ongoing in the app. Every week we will not in the app. The app is literally just a calculator plus the visual, of course, the boat and those 30 videos. This is a community. So Mm. uh, every single day we are doing posts on social media uh, multiple times a day, giving education, inspiring people to make change in their lives. Uh, And of course, the podcast is a weekly podcast where we do interview people who support the Essential Family Office Framework or their advisors who want to talk about their experience with the dynamic method. Got it. Got it. So before I ask you where this whole disruption in the market is going to like, how is it going to change things in the next five or 10 years? I I first want to know, like, where have you fucked up? <laughs> oh, many, many, many places. So um, part of my training program for the trainers who then go on and teach these, these advisors is social styles, recognition, and motivation. And one of the uh, uh, social styles that's identified, and this is as a driver, uh, I'm a former professional tennis player. 
Uh, I am a you very are? competitive. Yes. How so come I'm I didn't very, know that about you? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm a very competitive guy in, in all that I do, and the driver mentality is, is represented there. I make decisions very quickly, sometimes way too quickly. Okay. My business partner is an analytic. Thankfully, he's there to kind of anchor me. Sometimes he does. Sometimes I just move forward anyway. Um, but uh, he really gets into the data and really thinks about it. Now, he could take years to make a decision. Makes me nuts, but it, he is a good balance <laughs> to me who will make a decision in three minutes. Um, but yes, I have definitely made some big mistakes in terms of who I should be trusting for certain roles to support us. Um, and you know, you learn. Yeah. Well, that's always the biggest thing, right? The people surrounding mm -hmm. you. Yeah, of course. Um, well, like, are you, are you able to share like a particular story? I'm about not naming names. Okay. No. <laughs> We don't want to name them. Yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, I hired a marketing expert. Uh, I use the expert word loosely um, to help us build out some flows, some workflows, if you will, as advisors come on board. And it turned out his method was about 40 years late. Oh, and wow. I, I, I kept trying to modernize it myself it was not salvageable and i eventually just had to throw it away and that was a lot of money we had just wasted on that that's like, you know that's a key point disruptive companies need disruptive communication yes. agencies right and yes. it, and the, the old standards or how things were done is like no longer workable you have to have a hybrid and yeah. i think that's the most painful part Mm -hmm. of marketing and all of that stuff that disruptors face, right? Because mm -hmm. they're developing the hybrid as they go along. Right. So how'd you right. fix it? Um, ah, it's a good question. So I made a meet with this pivot. And since we're going direct to consumer, we went and partnered with the Sasha group. Uh, the Sasha group is Gary V's firm, Gary Vaynerchuk. If you're okay. Familiar with him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I quickly became a student of social media. So they built a go to social media Bible for us. And it is really, really impressive. Wow. So it, it literally gives you a long-term strategic view. So every six months, you're going to be doing these things differently than you did before. And here's, they give you the big picture as to why. And then all the way down to what is the tone of your message going to be each and every day at certain hours of the day on different social media outlets. And I'm looking at this going, well, this looks really hard. And it is a lot of work, but it's not hard. You just gotta do it. And wow. what I love most about Gary Vee, because I told you I'm the driver who doesn't like to waste time making decisions. I just, I just do it. And that's kind of his thing is just do it, get it out there, get it done. And if you made a mistake, who cares? Tomorrow's a new day, do it again. I love it. I love and, uh, it. I, I'm very much in sync with that. That's a really good pivot. It's a really good solution. Shout out to Gary Vee and the Sasha group, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So raising capital, yes. have you found this to be relatively easy? Have you run into roadblocks? Like a lot of our listeners like right. to know. Right. So the initial fundraise came directly from Mike and myself, as well as Henry Kogan, who came on board and helped us with a marketing budget. Uh, we are just starting to, to seek out additional capital. We're going to be looking at between one and $2 million um, in exchange for about 20 to 25% ownership. 
as we, again, our three outlets, of course, are direct to consumer. The second one's corporate America. The last one is, of course, uh, RIAs and broker dealers. And I think there's still a real big opportunity for this global distribution and white labeling to other companies in other countries. Um, but yes, that, that is something we are literally just starting right now. Okay, good. And, and it's going okay? It's going well. Yeah, good. no, there's definitely interest in this. Good, good. Yeah. Um, so what is this going to, so say, say you do take over the world, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously this type of app and this type of like investing and, you know, reaching out to the 85% of investors, this is going to change the industry. I mean, we've seen the industry change to, you know, mm -hmm. robo investing and mm -hmm. what is this, you know, how is this going to change? What is it going to look like in five years? How is this going to change the market? What other kind of competitors are going to come along let's, the channel? Let's identify the changes that are happening, whether I'm here or not. Okay. So the first is uh, we are now at zero commissions. You can go to Fidelity, TD, Schwab, and pay zero on commissions. I remember when they were three, $400 a trade. Uh, that was back in the late 90s. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's gone. And with that gone... And you now have this, this fee compression going on in the fee-based realm. And you are seeing not only the, first it was the products, right? So mutual funds have made the transition from mutual fund-based to ETF, exchange-traded funds. Right. The benefit to that is number one, it trades daily through the market as opposed to the end of the day. And number two, it's very transparent. You can't hide lots of fees the way mutual funds did. So fee compression is happening there. It's going to happen at the advisor level as well, unless that advisor can show that they're delivering a much higher and better experience, like an essential family office framework. I think that would allow most people, reasonable people say, well, gee, if you're truly communicating and managing all these other people that do things other than investing, yeah, you deserve to get paid a little something more for that because yeah. no one does that, right? Um, I do think as a result of, of what's going on with the price pressure, one third of all advisors will exit the business at the next bear market. That's not very, wow. Well, we don't know when that's going to be. I know. I was right? going to say that, like, when you say the next bear market, the first thing I think of, well, that's, that's like not, doesn't seem very far away. It's not a far, far future. By definition, a bear market is a 20% pullback in the market okay. or more. Okay. okay. So if the average Asian advisor right now is 60 years old, and that's, that's where we are, and these people have been doing this roller coaster ride for this long, and they get bammed yet again, and they're told they can't charge, they can't get commissions anymore, and they can't charge the 1%, it's going to come down a little bit more, and geez, the, the pain that I have to call everybody and, and hold their hands while they're scared to death of the market, I don't want to do it anymore, I'm out. I think one, one, third. Third, one third will disappear. So we have a void at that point. So then what? Absolutely. And that's when I think you're going to have to, well, I mean, part of, let's be honest, you mentioned robos. Yeah. Robos had been struggling, uh, even though they were, they're, they're, they're super cheap. They had really been struggling until COVID. And oh, really? exploded during COVID. They did really, really well. Oh, shit. And um, they gather, and they're not just gathering assets of tiny little investors. Yes, they get those. But there were some very savvy investors in there who knew about things like tax harvesting, where you're able to sell off certain stocks that have a capital loss to wash out either current or future capital gains. That's a pretty sophisticated tax strategy that is. for a robo-advisor. Yeah. And people 
people were doing it. So I think you look at that. I think you look at the zero commission world. You think about the exit of, a, let's say, one third of the, the advisory business. Change is happening no matter what I do. And so if you could describe what that change is going to be in the next, so we have a third of the advisors are going to be leaving, right? Mm -hmm. Have this massive increase in people investing on their own via robo-advisors. Like, how would you describe that, that change? What is it like? How would you describe it? I I think what's needed here are, of course, guardrails. Um, People who invest blindly on their own for the first time through a robo uh, or let's let's look at Robin Hood. Robin Hood's not. I don't look at them as really a robo. It's kind of a wild a west. It's yeah. a wild west. I yeah. mean, people go on there and just trade. Yeah. And you can do so starting at one dollar. And you know, my son who's in college is even playing around with Robin Hood. And I'm like, please be careful. Isn't that? An, isn't there another one like Stash? Is that like Robin Hood? I don't know Stash. Okay. Which I've never heard. Look that it one. up. But uh, Robin Hood just took the biggest, single biggest FINRA fine in history. $700 million. In history. In history. God. That was a massive Ow. one. And it was a combination of things. It wasn't any one thing. But of course, you remember the whole Reddit thing with uh, the stocks and how they were uh, staying long when yep. the hedge funds were going short and they they won. Good for them. I always love when the hedge funds take it in the chin. Um, <laughs> bottom line is there's got to be some kind of guardrails. You can't let inexperienced people go out there and start doing options trading with no idea of what they're doing. It's really bad. There was a very big tragedy in Nebraska. I don't know if you heard about this because of Robin. Tell us. We, we like to hear these stories. Well, this was sad. This was a, a very young kid, early 20s. He had been playing with options and he woke up one morning and looks at his account. It was negative $275,000. Oh, I think I heard about this, but Now, the the number was wrong. So the reported number he saw was not even real. Yes, he was negative, but nothing like that. He killed himself. Oh, yeah. Because he was so worried that he was going to owe this money for the rest of his life. Uh, There's got to be some kind of guardrails here. We don't want people to get hurt like this. I'm hopeful that the dynamic map method can at least help people set expectations, manage to it. So So are you going to be the catalyst or the grandfather of the guardrails? I hope I'm involved somehow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But the, the point of the liabilities is you can stop comparing your returns on an annual basis to some kind of a benchmark like an S&P 500 and instead, instead look at your, your liability and say, am I catching up? Am that I getting... should be your benchmark. Yes. Your liability. Am I, am I, and I, let me stress this. With retirement liability, at what date does that retirement liability begin? It begins before you're even born. Why the liability, well, because some, you have to, lie, you have to uh, uh, retire at some, some point in the future, right? So you, you've been conceived. You're going to have a life and you're going to have a retirement, whether you like it or not. The question is when and how much you're going to need. Those are big questions and we can all figure that out. The reality is when you look at these dynamic maps, you're going to notice that through accumulation phase, that liability is always bigger than your assets until you get near retirement, hopefully. Oh. At that point, you have caught up because your investment returns have done better than the actual inflation rate, which is what we're measuring. Plus, of course, your mortality. You look at us and say, okay, the mast rises to X number of dollars called $3 million. And I needed uh, $2.5 million in order to successfully retire. Hey, that's going to be great. And you're going to see that through distribution phase that your your number doesn't go all the way down. It stays somewhat above, right? So that 
is a sensible, logical way to manage and measure how you're actually doing with your investments versus can I beat the market and get greedy? Well, let's hope that through all of this and people have the proper benchmarks and this really takes off and corporate America really helps distribute this in an even more massive way that people are more financially literate and the status quo of being taken advantage of for their illiteracy, right? Mm -hmm. Being fed any kind of financial uh, model ideology ideology, you get that, yeah. that will we'll stop. People will start having self-determinism over their own finances. You know, there was, um, when I first started this, I actually had an advisor reach out to me, not realizing that I was in the business. And he started telling me, I'm going to get you tax-free retirement income. <laughs> okay. You mean you're going to take all my money and put it in municipal bonds? And he goes, no, 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 no. You're going to do it now before you actually retire. And it's going to grow <laughs> at this big rate of return. Let's call it 7%. And when you get there, it's going to be tax-free income retirement. And I, because I know the business said, will you need a blood and urine test? He was trying to sell me a high wow. commission life insurance policy. Wow. Talk. I mean, look, I'm not against life insurance but it's life insurance and that's what it should be sold for and used for. Not something as devious of this. I know exactly where he was going with all of this, but that's an example of how somebody who was not financially literate might have fallen for that, that pitch. And I'm sure people do all the time. Well, I guess people don't realize that financial literacy, when you look at that percentage includes advisors. Yes. Oh, well, <laughs> when I was a wholesaler, we would all have call each day. And this call happened every single day. How many of the advisors you serve would you trust with your own money? And the answer was always 10 to 15. We call them thousands. Thousands so was of your was your number 10 to 15 or was it less it was, than that? It yeah. was, no, it was, it was 10 to 15. And the way, and listen, the way I measure that is, is multiple ways. Do I think they're ethical? Number one, do I think that they have my best interest in, at heart ahead of the commission that they might earn? Number two, do they know more than I do about the markets? Now, I've been doing this a long time, and, and I'm, I probably know more than the average Joe. I get that. But if I'm going to pay somebody 1% of my assets per year, or I'm going to suffer through a commission type of a transaction, like a life insurance policy where the commissions are huge, I, I, I want to know that this person has my interest at heart first, yeah. and they know more than I could have done on my own. Wow. 10 to 15 out of thousands. Yes. By the so, way, every wholesaler I talked to said the same thing. That's crazy. But we are not bashing the advisor community. We're not. No. We're not. No. No. Like I said, uh, distribution planning is a great place for that because it's really complex. Well, you know, this is changing. This yeah. is changing. I mean, that's the reality of it. That it is. part of the industry is changing. It is. Yeah. Um, certainly once you have a lot of money and you're a busy person who just wants their time back, an advisor can be very, very helpful. Uh, overseeing the, the tax consequences and working with the accountants and attorneys. Yeah. Absolutely. Tons of value there. Yeah. But telling them they get tax-free and income and retirement by buying a life insurance policy, that's not so good. No, it's not so good. No. So I want to know about you. Yeah, sure. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> who, you know, who was little Jeff? Obviously you, you were a tennis uh, pro. I, like, were you always this rebellious and disruptive? No, 
I was a pretty mild kid. Uh, I'm an only child. I was adopted. Uh, my dad was unfortunately an angry alcoholic. Um, that sucks. It did. did. It, it definitely did. My mom was a sweetheart. Um, he had in his head that because he'd had a tough life that, that uh, we were going to be lower middle class or lower class for our lives. There was nothing you could do. And I remember asking him as a young age, dad, do you invest? Said, no, get that out of your head. Nobody actually retires. Investing is a waste of time and the system's rigged against you. We've heard this language before, right? Yeah. There are a lot of Americans, yeah. unfortunately, who have that same mentality negative Fixed idea, view. false idea. Yeah. Yeah. They have that same pessimistic view on life. Yeah. And uh, I, I looked at him, I said, I, I, I don't agree with you. I need to get the hell out of here. And my way, and this is something back to the eighth grade, so I want to, I like tennis. Uh, I, I played baseball and football and stuff too, but I really like tennis. I want to get good enough to make a career out of this. Wow. So that uh, was your course, ticket. Well, I thought so. I will tell you, I, I suffered through a lot of give it up. You're not fast enough. You're not good enough. You don't hit hard enough. And I hit really hard. And uh, you, you ju you're just not going to make it. Well, I went to college and, of course, played tennis in college. And I played for about six years on the satellite circuit. Now, not the ATP tour. I wasn't that naturally gifted. I worked my butt off to be at least competitive. And there's so many people out there with just natural talent. And you're just like, wow, I wish I had that, but I don't. And those are the ones who, quite frankly, make a lot of money at the game. Yeah. I didn't make a lot of money. But what it did teach me was... Uh, I don't need to, I don't need to adhere to somebody else's path. I need to find my own path. And when I had some success with this, it encouraged me to continue to find my own path. Even when I was wholesaling, I did things differently than everybody else did. And sometimes they failed miserably and sometimes they worked really, really well. And uh, that led me to this place where we are now. Let's create it again, our new path. Let's hope that we can get as many people on board as possible because the societal benefit to financial literacy is dramatic. It'll reduce taxes that go to social programs because everyone's doing better on right. their own, right? right. It, it will eliminate, I hope, I really hope it will eliminate the pessimism that happens to go from generation to generation, like I just described with my own home, right? Yeah, what a contagion, right? Because how many people get really do- how many people really do have the ability to just walk away like I did and, and, and have some success? Uh, a lot of them are afraid to. They're, they're told they just will never do it. And okay, they accept it. I've seen this with inner city kids and it makes me sad. They're, they're kids. They should not be giving up on life when they're little kids. They should be yeah. hopeful and happy and, and optimistic. It's true. So I, I'm hopeful that that will be the consequence of financial literacy. Okay, good. Well, let's go for that. <laughs> So what are your crazy passions? What do you do outside of work? Outside so, of dynamic I, mapping? I don't play tennis anymore. Okay. Uh, I, I, my, my left knee is fully replaced. It has just really? Been, oh, yeah. Uh, at a very young age, I had a young age. I was mid forties. Too many pivots. I tore my ACL for the fifth time and I just chop it off. I'm done. No more. So it was the best ow. decision I ever made. It, yeah, of course, Al, but it's fine now. Uh, I fly fish. That's my you fly thing. fish. I do. That is my my passion. I'm also big into cars, and I do like to race cars. 
but I, I don't get to do that as frequently as I'd like. But my real passion is finding uh, really exotic places to go, uh, freshwater fly fishing. I'll do saltwater too, but freshwater is more challenging. And so where's the most exotic place that you've fly fished? My favorite place anywhere is in upstate New York on the Beaver Kill. So the Beaver Kill is where fly fishing was actually invented. And uh, there is a little club that my father-in-law belonged to uh, called Balsam Lake Club that is on the upper Beaver Kill and you have eight miles of the river to yourself while you're there. It is spectacular, really good fishing. You're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, the bear threat is definitely there. I've had a couple of encounters. Uh, I'm still here to tell you about it though. Um, but yeah, I love that. I've gone out West into Colorado and Wyoming as well. You know, um, we're going to have fly fishers that are going to contact you from listening. Yeah, right. That's so right. what's the, so when you're fly fishing, is it still all like, you know, I'm from the South and all mm. the men that fish, you know, they have their fish tails. Like, you yes. know, the fish are always like the big, their fish is always the biggest. Of course. Is it the same with fly fishing? I, fishing is fishing. Of course, okay. you're going to hear fish stories <laughs> okay. yeah, all the time. Right? Okay. What's the biggest fish you've ever caught? It's 22 inch. Uh, again, in the freshwater, I had caught a 22 inch brown trout. Is that big in freshwater? Yeah. I mean, it's big. Well, it's big by East Coast standards. By West Coast standards, not so much. Okay. The, the, the pressure that's put on the rivers in the East Coast is enough that they just don't get big enough. But the population out West is less, which means there's less pressure. They get to grow bigger. My dream trip is Patagonia because Patagonia, you have all these trout that were not native. They were introduced there by anglers from Europe and America. No way. And, the, and the, yeah, it's true. They were not native there. And they just looked around and said, this is the perfect conditions and there are no predators. There's no bears. Are they humongous? They, no hawks, they must no be eagles. everywhere and they're humongous. You hold trout in Patagonia as far as you can possibly go because some of them are sea run brown trout and they get just mammoth. They get no huge. way. I've never been, but that's my dream trip. Okay. So when are you going? I don't know. Okay. I want to know when you do. I want pictures. You and the listeners will come with us. Okay, good. So <laughs> how do people find you? How do they right. find your dynamic map app? Like where yes. do they get a hold of Jeff Mount? So the dynamic map app is available on the Apple app store or Google play for free. The premium subscriptions, 20 bucks, as I mentioned one time where you just go in and you get the 30 videos. It'll tell you everything you know during accumulation phase. We also have realintelligence360.com, which is our website. There is a form there to introduce yourself to us so we can keep you up to date on new apps. There's a, there's a hint there. There's a new app coming out next month. Ooh. Uh, and then, of course, to uh, because, get you engaged with the community, there is a private Facebook group called Dynamic Mapping where we daily feed you uh, educational stuff and motivational stuff to make sure you stay on track and succeed. Um, those are the best ways. And, of course, please do join us, the Dynamic Mapping Podcast, uh, which we do weekly episodes as well. There are these are for regular investors, the 85%. Absolutely. Okay, good. Absolutely. Anybody could listen to these and enjoy these. Um, will the, the, the geek that I get on there sometimes go really geeky? Yes, of course, but we'll try to make it as, as easy to understand as possible. Okay, awesome. Jeff, thank you very much for being my guest today on the Disruption Interruption Hour. You were awesome. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And that's it, everyone. If you learned something today or laughed or know a fly fisher that wants to get in touch with Jeff, tell someone about this podcast. Tell people to go disrupt their markets with some tidbits from this show.
Thank you for listening to the Disruption Interruption Podcast, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society, with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal, healthcare, or financial advice, or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal situation or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Joto PR and the user.